Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, it's great to see all of you here today. Um, appreciate you getting dug out and, and getting here this morning. And um, uh, for all of those who are joining us online, we're always glad to have you there. And I'm, I got a feeling there's more of you there today than, than usual, right? So, uh, but if, if it's the snow, you still got time, get dug out and come on in and join us here for the 11 o'clock service. Well, Christmas season seems to be in picking up speed, right? It's just about the full speed. How many of you have gone Christmas shopping? Either outward or online, right? Yeah. It's out there, things going on. And, you know, probably most of us here today are pretty clear on what Christmas is about. You know, we see the different images and uh, we, we know what's going on there. But you've got to think, for an awfully lot of people, I mean, there, there are so many things connected to Christmas that have nothing to do with Jesus, right? Nothing to do with God and the message of redemption. So much stuff out there like that. It's not bad. It's not even, even our, you know, our decorations, which, you know, I love it. The folks decorate for us. They always do such an awesome job, beautiful. But really, they have nothing to do with uh, the reason, right? That, uh, it is a celebration. Thank you. Yes, it is a celebration. Uh, my point is, though, is these aren't communicating anything specific about that. And so people who don't know the reason why we would celebrate, just know we got a season where all this stuff shows up and it's fun and we do neat things and we get involved. And the hustle and bustle can actually be kind of fun for a while, right? I mean, and so, and depending on how much uh, religious upbringing people have had, they have different ideas about what's going on. I mean, you know, you, you see Christmas cards and, and things, you know, some of them have, you know, Santas on it or, or winter scenes, and then you see some, you know, a lot of them come through with a, a star over, a, you know, a little town or a manger and a baby, and, and you got to know that a lot of people really don't have a clear idea of what that's all about. You know, even people who grew up sometimes in very religious environments might know some of the details. Okay, yes, that's Jesus, the baby Jesus, you know, okay. But if you talk to them at any length, you understand that they do not comprehend what really was, happened, what it was really about, and why it happened. And so in this um, sermon series that we're starting, we want to talk about uh, Christmas and really bring a focus to the, the biblical aspects of it, the, the, the truths behind the season. And uh, see, uh, excuse me, the, the sermon series is titled Upside Down, When God Becomes a Man. You know that in our culture, and not just our culture, but around the world, people all the time who are very religious, whether it's a Christian religion or a non-Christian religion, they are working hard to try to somehow rather measure up and work their way up to God. Right? Isn't that the way it goes, right? Trying to you know, earn my way here. I, I got to do better. I got to pull myself. And, and, and of course, we know the Bible says that doesn't work, right? But that's what they're doing. But so God does what? He turns things upside down, and he does what? He comes down to us. And, and so that is what um, Christmas is really all about. And so we want to start focusing in on that. So I think that, you know, if, if we could, you know, uh, 
get into people's minds a little bit. We could probably come up with some questions that they might have about what's going on. And maybe some of you even, you, you might have, a, you think you know, but maybe there's some things you aren't quite clear on. But question like, first of all, you know, we, we see pictures of this baby in a manger, right? So who is the baby? What's, who is the baby? They might know the name Jesus, but who is he? What's his real identity, okay? And then second question might be, okay, so what's the big deal? What is the big deal, right? And then, you know, finally, so what, what's it mean to me? What, what's, what's this to me, okay? And so those are the questions we want to try to answer today as we talk about the claims of Christmas, because the Bible does make some claims regarding Christmas, then the Christmas story. And so when we get into the Bible, in the Gospels, um, we find what we call the Christmas story, different parts of it in the Gospels of Matthew and the Gospels of, of Luke. In the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we have the story of, of Joseph's um, uh, the dream of the angel showing up and telling him that his wife was going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Then we, the story jumps to his birth and then the coming of the wise men um, and the things that happen around that. In the Gospel of Luke, we get what we usually think of the traditional Christmas story, how you know Mary was great with child and the trip to, to Bethlehem and the birth and the star and the angels and the manger and all of those things in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, the Gospel of Mark doesn't really uh, include any of the Christmas story. It starts off with John the Baptist preaching and, and preparing people for Christ as he comes as an adult. And normally, people think of the Gospel of John and say the Christmas story isn't there either. And it isn't in the sense of which we normally think of the Christmas story. But the reality is, is the Gospel of John does include the Christmas story. What it, what it includes is what we would call the backstory, the backstory of Christmas. Uh, and, and really, the backstory is the important story. It's the most important story. So um, we're going to look at the Gospel of John and see how he talks about Christmas and, and to deal with, he makes some really big claims uh, regarding uh, these issues. And nice thing about John, I mean, the Gospels were written, you know, they have different perspectives on Jesus and, and what his life was about and how he lived. But the Gospel of John is real clear. John tells us why he wrote his Gospel. Uh, down toward the end of his Gospel in chapter 20 and verse 31, he says this. He says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And the, the previous verse is, hey, Jesus did so many things that we haven't written down here, so many things that we haven't written, but these things I wrote that you might know that he is the Son of God, that he's the Christ, the promised one, and that in believing you can receive eternal life. So let's go to the Gospel of John, and with that in mind, we want to see what are the claims regarding Christmas, and remember that he wrote them so that we might understand the truth and believe. All right, John chapter 1. It's page 1220 in the Bible that's in the chairs there, and if you don't have your Bible with you today or a Bible... In your phone, feel free to grab one of those Bibles and turn to page 1220. All right, so it starts off here, verse number one. In the beginning, now wait, does that sound familiar? Yeah, Genesis 1, right? In the beginning, who? God, okay, so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right, so if, if you didn't have any background in any of this, 
right? No Christian. And you read, in the beginning was the word. <laughs> what? What's this all about? Well, when John was writing, he, he wrote this in the Greek language. And so this term, word, logos, that's the Greek word, the logos, to the Greek culture that he was writing in, uh, the word logos referred to this uh, ex extremely intelligent mind that was behind everything in the universe, okay? So this is what the, 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 the there was a Greek philosophies about this, that, that there was, had to be this mind behind the universe because you look at the universe and there's you know, order and things make sense and so there's gotta be this mind behind it. Now they didn't know this mind, they, they, it wasn't, uh, they didn't really think of it as a god or, because they had their other gods, you remember? Then they invent, come with all these other gods to try to explain all sorts of things, the, what we, the mythological gods that we are probably familiar with. Um, but this, this mind behind uh, the universe, and it was impersonal, you didn't really know it except as you interacted with the, the world around you. And so John starts right off with that, and he says, in the beginning was the word. This, you know, the thing that you're thinking. But he says, now I wanna tell you some things about him that you don't really understand who he is. Okay, I wanna reveal some things to you here. So he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, so he's, right away he's bringing it. This is not just some um, fuzzy concept in the background. No, we're bringing him right up the forefront. He's God. The word is a person, and he's God. Okay, uh, he has the attributes of God because in the beginning... Yes, thank you. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, the Word. Okay, so he's comparing him to the God of the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, okay? And the Word was God. We have the two distinctions here, saying he's with God, but not only is he with God, he was God, okay? So this is telling us, it's, it's, it's revealing something to us here about the nature of God. And um, that somehow the word, this being, can be both God and with God at the same time. Well, how can that be? Well, it's, we open our Bible and study through it, and we, we find out how that is, don't we? Because the, this, the God exists as three persons. Okay, so let's, let's do a little basic Christianity here. How many gods are there? I mean, the, the God, right? The one God. One God. How many? One. The Bible very clearly reveals that he exists somehow as three distinct persons. So three gods? No, what? One God. All right. Now, it's a little bit hard for us to get our heads around that. I know. But this is the, the case. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay, we call them, it's, it's a tri-unity, because it's three persons and yet one God, and so tri-unity gets shortened into one word, trinity, okay? And, and so that is that doctrine, we see this revealed here. And so John is trying to express to them, and we're gonna see in just a minute, that, that this goes somewhere, okay? But very clearly he has identified the word as God. And he says the word was God, but let me say something to you, and this is true, he's referring back to this time at the beginning, uh, but once God, always God? 
Does that make sense? I mean, he's not trying to say in the past he was God. No, in the past he was God, but if you're God, you're always God. Okay? So the word was God. And so we're, we're headed toward the identity of this baby in the manger is what we're headed toward here. Okay? So let's read on. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. There's another thing that's ascribed to God, which is described to the word here, the creator. In him was life, okay, life in himself, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, didn't fully understand it. And, and the word that's used there to, as translate comprehended includes this idea of being able to overcome or to push back on. Do you know that every time you turn on a light switch in a dark room, what happens? I mean, assuming the electricity's on and the bulb's good. What happens? Where'd the darkness go? Well, darkness is not really a thing. It's an absence of something, isn't it? Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness has never overcome light. It can't, because it, it, all it, you know, darkness is just the absence of light. And so he's saying the light comes in, the darkness hasn't overwhelmed it. And there is a spiritual darkness in our world. In fact, the Bible says if we've come to Christ, we have been changed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The light of God has come into our lives and taken away that darkness. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And the author, John, here is not talking about himself, he's talking about John the Baptist, Okay in his ministry. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. I thought we were talking about the word. We are, aren't we? The word is also what? The light, the light of the world. Jesus says, John 8, chapter 12, I, I am the light of the world. This man came for witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He, was, he, John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. We'll come back to these things. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. All right, verse 14 here. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and so John has just blown the minds of his Greek readers. Okay? Because we have this huge, this, this mind, this obviously infinitely intelligent mind behind the universe because there has to be something to explain it. And he says, okay, that mind is God. Okay? And somehow or other he's God and he's with God. But that's, so he's there. And now he goes on and he says, and he became man. He became a human being. And this is just totally beyond anything that they would have naturally understood. And so the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. We saw this glory that was, uh, the, says the glory is of the only begotten of the Father. There was a difference in this, this person. He, he was not just a regular human being. There, there was something else about him. And of course, that something else about him is that he is God. And we still haven't quite nailed down the identity, although obviously if we know the Christmas story, 
we're putting this identity together. Verse 15, he says, John, John the Baptist, bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, who knows? Who was older, John the Baptist or Jesus? John the Baptist was older as a human being, but even he notes something what? He was before me, because actually in the beginning, all right? Verse 16, and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There we go. We have, now we have identified him, haven't we? The word, the light, the word become flesh, Jesus, the baby in a manger. Verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. We'll talk a little bit about that a, a more in just a little bit. So, I think it becomes pretty clear here that, that John has made a claim, and here's claim number one, and that's that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Who is, who is this baby that we see pictures of? Well, that's, that's the baby Jesus, and he is not just a human being, not just a cute little baby, not just a little nice baby because no crying he makes, right? I mean, he, he is God, okay? God in human form. And that's sort of hard to get our heads around, but it's what the Bible reveals to us and what Jesus revealed to him. Now, once we establish he is God, then th you know, these verses start to make a little more sense to us, right? That Jesus was there in the beginning. Now, yeah, I am not always gonna speak technically today. Because if I want to speak technically, Jesus was not in the beginning. The Son of God was in the beginning, right? And when he became a man, what was that man named? It's not a hard question. Jesus. And from now on, he is Jesus Christ. Okay? Son of God, Jesus Christ. So, so if I say Jesus was in the beginning, I, there's always two or three of you who want to get, oh, wait, 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 get technical. You'd be right technically. But, so just bear with me. If Jesus is God, then it says here, he was in the beginning with God. It says that he created all things, that he has life in himself, that, that he has, you know, sheds light into the darkness. All of these things are true because he is God. And then verse 18 really helps us to understand something here. Verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. No human being naturally has seen God in all his glory and what he's like. The only begotten son, and, and only begotten is a term, uh, it can communicate, and actually I have an only one son, um, but really this only begotten more often communicates a one of a kind, a uniqueness of, okay? And so the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, very close relation to the father, he has declared him. So if you want to know what God is like, who should you look at? Jesus, that's right. You look at him in the word. And, and you, you look at him in, in, in the lives of people who know him and you look at him in your own life and experience and you can learn about God, who he is, what he's like. 
And Jesus said that this whole book is in some way, shape, or form about him. And so as we learn about God in the Bible, we're learning about Jesus. So if you want to know what God is like, look carefully at Jesus. Uh, the book of Hebrews tells us this, and I think I have the wrong reference there. I should say Hebrews chapter one, not Hebrews chapter 11. And it says this, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. And John told us, what, what did he call him in John 1, 1? In the beginning was the the word. See, isn't it interesting how this is all tied together, that God has spoken to people. He's spoken to the prophets. He's spoken through creation. But he's also spoken through the word, his son, who has become a human being. All right? So he's spoken to us by his son, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. If you want to know what Jesus is like and what God is like, look at Jesus. Now, so the question is, who is this baby and what's the big deal, right? Or, I mean, it's not, who, what's his identity? Well, he's God. All of a sudden, that kind of changes everything, doesn't it? You know, if, if someone's bumping along through Christmas, you know, and you're watching here today with us, and, and uh, this may all be new to you, and so we want you to know that this little baby that we see, Jesus is God. And, and that kind of almost answers the next question, which is, well, so what's the big deal? <laughs> what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is he's God and he became a human being for some reason, all right? So we want to focus in on that and answer this question. What's the big deal about him? And let me just jump to the claim that John makes here. Claim number two, the Son of God became a man, the man Jesus, to restore our broken relationship with God. We have a broken relationship with God. That's the way we come into this world. So let's go back here and look in verse number 10. Talking about Jesus, the Word, God, the Son of God, Jesus, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. Why? Because there's a broken relationship here. And we go back to the garden, Adam and Eve, and the relationship being broken. So the world does not naturally know God. It can know he exists, but they don't have a relationship with him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now, interesting here, verse 11, he came to his own. The word own is used twice. If we go back to the, the Greek language which John wrote in, he uses two different forms of this word. One of the forms means things, and the other means people. So in a session in the beginning, verse 11, he came to his own, that's his own things. He came into, this, this is his creation, isn't it? He's the one who made it, it's his creation. In Colossians it says that it was made for him, not just by him, but for him. It's his creation, he came into his own things, into creation, and his own people did not receive him. So this, it most likely, as we look at the rest of the story here, is specifically referring to his, the Jewish people. Okay? His own people did not receive him as who he was. 
Broken relationship, no relationship. You see that? There's a missing relationship that has been broken, broken by sin. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Now, we're gonna talk more about this verse in a minute, but look at that phrase in the middle. To them he gave the right to become children of God. You know, there's a popular, popular um, thought in, I would say, in our culture, and I don't know about other cultures, but that we are all God's children. Have you ever heard that? Well, if we're talking about, in a sense, we're all offspring of God, right? He's the one who brought us into being. That's true. If we're talking about relationship, child to parent, child to father, we are not all children of God. That relationship is broken. It isn't there. And it says right here that if we respond properly to this baby who obviously grew up, became a man, he's the man, uh, Jesus, God in human form, if we respond properly to him, then, then we have a right to be God's children. We can rightfully claim, I am a child of God. I can say to you today, I am absolutely a child of God. Uh, I was born as a child of God on April the 4th, 1975, somewhere 9.30ish, 10 o'clock at night. Okay? I became a child of God because I did respond to what Jesus came for. But not everybody is a child of God. Does God love everybody? Absolutely he loves everybody. But not everyone is a child, okay? And so we, but as, as Jesus came to restore that relationship and bring us back into a father-child relationship with God, our natural condition is self-focused. We are spiritually dead. And if we persist in a broken relationship and we do not let the relationship be restored and we die without the relationship having been restored, here's what Jesus says in, in Matthew. He says, but I will reply at that time at the judgment. I will reply, I never knew you. We never had a relationship. Get away from me, you who break God's laws, away with you into the eternal fire. Man, that's, that's pretty rough, isn't it? The consequences of a broken relationship, you know, you might be able to make it through this life and have it go all right or even look successful in the eyes of others, but if you die with a broken relationship, your destiny is eternal condemnation. It just is, because you have to have the relationship with God restored in order to have eternal life and go to heaven to be with him. Now, I want to say to you that this right here is not God's desire for any of you, not God's desire for any of you who may be watching, not God's desire for anyone in the world. In fact, Jesus, we know the verse, John 3, 16, right? For God so what? Loved the world he gave, right? That we don't have to perish. The very next verse, verse 17, says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
You see, this is why Jesus came. This is why the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that he might restore the broken relationship with us. And that's why he went to the cross and dies on the cross, bearing the penalty for our sins. A horrific thing, all the guilt and the burden, uh, and, and not to mention the horrific nature of his death and, and rising again. He did all of this because he didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. And so he's put everything in place for us to be saved, put everything in place for us for our relationship with God to be restored. On God's side, everything is done. Okay, and he's inviting us to come. So this is not Christ's desire for you. And so that brings us to the, to the last of the questions we're talking about, and that's what does all of this have to do with us personally then? What does this have to do with us? Well, the very next verse after this one, John 3, 17, Jesus says, he who believes in him, in, in him, the Son of God, talking about himself, is not condemned. But he who does not believe, read those next three words with me, would you? Is condemned already. Let's try that again. Is condemned already. Already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, we, we, this is where we start. We are in a broken relationship, and therefore we are already condemned. We don't have to do anything. So when we say, what should it have to do with me personally? <laughs> well, I'm condemned by nature unless I come to Christ and, and receive him as the Bible's talking about here. Think about this, the wildfires out in, in California, isn't it crazy? You know what's happening, homes burning and, and all this, and if the people, you know, they come through and evacuate them, and they evacuate, but what if they don't evacuate? What if they decide to stay? And as they say, nope, I'm not going, I'm not doing anything, and they stay in the path of the fire, what happens? They're already condemned, aren't they? See, they don't have to do anything. To, to be killed in the wildfires, they don't have to do anything. That's already where they're at. And so it's same for us in our relationship with God. We don't have to do anything to make it to hell because we're already condemned, because our relationship's broken, which is why Jesus came. So this brings us to claim number three in our passage here today, and that's that, that receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior is the only way to restore our broken relationship with God. And two little words in the middle of that statement are crucial. The only way. Only way. This is what God says to us. And this is one of the claims of Christmas. This is why he came. By the way, just what I'm thinking before I forget it. If, if we could make it some other way, why did Jesus have to come and die on the cross? Didn't need to, did he? Because you just need to work a little harder. You need to learn a little more. You need to be a little better. If that was the case, Jesus didn't have to come. But I want you to say it's not the case. That's why Jesus came. And, and we can tell how terribly bad off we might be because of what Jesus had to do to save us. Okay? But so he is the only way. Let's go back up here and look. Verse 12 again. But as many as received him... Okay, so some, we have to receive him as Savior. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, the relationship gets restored. And how do we do this? Is to those who believe 
in his name. So we have to, we receive Christ by believing. Believing that he is who the Bible is telling us he is. That he's done what the Bible says that he's done. That he has died for our sins. Paying the penalty in full. And that he has risen from the dead. And we have to believe that. And believe this means we, have to, we, we know the facts and we choose to trust it for ourselves. We know the facts and we make a conscious decision. Okay, I am trusting the Lord to be my savior and to take care of my sin problem. But then verse 13 says, who were born. So when we become children of God, we were born as children of God when we received Christ by believing. Verse 13, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Not of blood. There's no human relationship that can save you. The Jewish people were, were God's people, right? And God still has plans for them. His promises are made to them that he's going to keep. Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. But there's nobody who's ever been saved because their parents were Jewish and they were born Jewish. Not of blood. There's no bloodline that saves you, okay? And then he says, nor of the will of the flesh. Okay, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do this. I am going to, I'm going to join a church. I'm going to be the best church member there ever was. I'm going to give lots of money. I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to do good deeds. I'm going to, you know, I'm, work, I'm going to work and I'm going to be the best. No, nobody ever saved by the, you know, the will of the flesh, by what you're going to do. Nor of the will of man. And this is the idea of, you know, okay, I'm going to think differently about this. I'm going to, uh, I have a different way of doing this in my own philosophy. This, this comes across in the well. The way I see it, here's what I need to do or what needs to happen. No, he says, no, 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 no. Not of any of that. It's only through Jesus, right, who were born of God. Only of God. And that happens when we make that decision that we need a savior and we choose to believe what God has said about it. So receiving Jesus, Lord and Savior, the only way to restore a broken relationship. Jesus said this himself in John 14 when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What? No man comes to the Father except through me, only by Jesus. And then Peter, when he was preaching, Shortly after Jesus had risen from the dead in the book of Acts, it says, Jesus Christ, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Pretty clear, isn't it? Really clear. Now, you may be here today and you've never taken that step and believed, and you need to do that. And you do this. All you've got to do is just... Really understand, man, I have sinned against the holy God. I do have a broken relationship with him. That relationship has condemned me. I, I'd be separated from God forever, condemned. And then know that Jesus died for your sins and, and, and rose again. And, and you can say, okay, God, I, that's for me. I believe it. I believe it, Father. I receive Jesus, Savior. I open myself up to you. I, this is, I want this. I believe it. I accept it. All right? And you need to do that. And we'd love to help with that. If you, if you have questions about that, let us know or just write on one of those communication cards. Hey, I got questions. Put your name. We'll talk with you about it. We'd love to do that. Contact us if you're watching this online. But listen, most of us here today have probably already made this decision. We've already been restored in relationship. We, we are children of God. 
not only is this a decision we need to make for ourselves, you know what, your, your family who doesn't know him needs to do this. The friends that you have who don't know Jesus need to know him, right? This message we're talking about at Christmas, and Christmas opens the door for these discussions. And so they need to know about this. And not only them, but think, every person that you drive by this season, walk past in the mall, around the whole world, they need to know this, don't they? They didn't know that, they, that God became a man so that they could have a relationship with him. They need to know that. And, and so we gotta be about that business too. We gotta be praying for our missionaries. We have to be giving to support those missionaries so they can continue to stay. We gotta respond to things like, I did, how many of you saw what I put on Facebook this week about the missionaries, the Clarks? You know, in, they're in Botswana now. They were South Africa years and they're in Botswana. But the problems that have come there and the financial needs that have arisen. See, we need to, to be willing to you know, sacrifice and, and help with our missionaries, those kinds of things, because the reality is, is Jesus is God. He came to restore our broken relationship and, and he's the only way. We need to respond. And, and these people need to know that. And we need to be about the business of making sure that they know it. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you and I, I do thank you that you have loved us so much. Just a little later in, in John's gospel, it talks about how you loved us so much that you sent your son. Um, we thank you for the truths that you've revealed in your word here and the message of Christmas that, that your son became a man to provide us with a, a restored relationship with you. And I pray, Father, not only would we be just so grateful about that, Lord, but you drive it deep into our souls and, and our, to the forefront of our minds that the, the people we know, our family and friends who don't know you, need to know you. Give us a sense of urgency about it and help us to see ways maybe at Christmas that we can make those connections about it. And then, Father, burden us for our responsibility to, to reach out to the whole world and to do that through our missionaries, Father. That we might do what it takes to accomplish what you've given us to do. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us here today the things that we need to hear. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. Go out in the world this week. Share the gospel.